If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for these words that have been written so many years ago that are still relevant to us today. We pray that you'll be with Pastor Bob this morning as he takes this time to teach us, to help us to understand, to better know your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It would seem that as one looks at verses 1 through 5 of chapter 6 here, that, that Paul is centering our thoughts on that phrase, so fulfill the law of Christ. And that everything that he is saying to us in terms of application, for how then, how does that apply, how, how does that mean we are to conduct ourselves in the church of Jesus Christ and as believers centers on that idea of the law of Christ. So that's where we'll begin. We'll begin with this command of Christ. Secondly, then, we'll see how that command is exemplified by Christ, the example of Christ. And then thirdly, we'll come back here to Galatians 6, 1 through 5 and look at the text of Galatians in terms of how that now applies to you and I today. So first of all, the command of Christ. It's interesting that Paul in the book of Galatians has been dealing with these Judaizers who are all about the law, and now Paul, when he comes to the sixth chapter, brings up law himself. But it's not the law as the Judaizers understand it. It is not those ceremonial laws that the Judaizers were seeking to impose upon the church and to say that you can't be a Christian without the keeping of all of these ceremonial laws. Indeed, the whole of the law of Moses is being imposed upon the church through these false teachers. 
But Paul says there is, there is a sense in which we are to be law keepers. But the law that we are to keep is not the law of Moses. The law that we are to be keeping is the law of Christ. So what is that law? What is Christ's law? I invite you to turn in your Bibles back to the gospel according to John, the 13th chapter. It is to this that Paul is referring. John chapter 13. This is the account, you will note, of Jesus washing the disciples' feet and of giving to them that example of humility. But go down starting at verse 31, John 13. Judas has left. That's what begins the text when he had gone out. Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified. And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, you now I also say, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Turn over to the 15th chapter of John. John chapter 15. Go down to verse 12. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. That someone lay down his life. For his friends, you are my friends, if you do what I command you. This was not lost upon the Apostle John. Later in life, as uh, I turn to 1 John chapter 3, listen to his writing even later on. By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us. By the spirit whom he has given to us. So what is the commandment? Love one another. That is what Paul is referring to here. When he says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What law? 
the law of loving one another. This means, in terms of an explanation, although be it brief, it means to always act with love as our motive. It means to always act with the type of self-sacrificing, humble, emptying, emptying love. That we are always to act with that type of love as our motive for everything that we do. As the attitude with which we approach life. It is that kind of love that is to fill our words to one another. It is that kind of love that is to be exemplified in our own actions. How is it that we are to deal with one another in terms of the flesh and our sin? We are to love one another and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is not the first time that Jesus has spoken about love when we come to, to John chapter 13. Jesus had said previously that the summary of the law was that we are to love God and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Love has been the foundational principle upon which Jesus has spoken. It is the foundation principle of Jesus' teaching. It is the foundation of his doctrine. And we cannot lose that. We, we cannot in some way say, well, you know, that's what Jesus taught. But, you know, our church fathers, our confessions, yes, all of that doctrine is important. But we can't let it overwhelm, cover over. We can't lose the principle of loving one another. In terms of our own sanctification, in terms of spurring one another on towards holiness, we cannot lose that which is the law of Christ. which is to love one another. A love that was absent in the teachings of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' day. A love that, that had certain limits. A love that said there's lines in the sand and love doesn't cross it and Jesus has to come and correct them in Matthew chapter 5. 43 and say, no, there is no limit to this love. You are to love even your enemy. And you're to love them not with, with some sort of half-baked love. You're to love them not with, with a love that, that isn't quite the same as the love you have for those who aren't your enemy. It is precisely the same kind of love. So if we are to love our enemy, how much more so 
are we not called to love one another who are part of the body of Christ? The example of Christ, secondly, we see on many occasions. Think about Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. In that teaching, in that parable, as the son wanders away and then comes home, see that which Paul has been dealing with in Galatians 5. One who gives in to the flesh. One whom in whom the flesh takes over. And it, and, it, and it motivates him to leave, to ask for his money and to go. How is it that the, the father is, the father responds? He bears one another's burdens. If one is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. See, we see in that, that teaching of Jesus the example of how do we deal with one who is a sinner, who has walked away and returns. Think of the, the sinful woman in Luke chapter 7 who, who anoints Jesus. The Pharisees and other religious leaders are are all, ah, does he know what's going on? Does he know this woman? Oh, horrible, horrible, this woman with her reputation. What's Jesus say? Oh, I forgot about that. That's right. You're a horrible, disgusting woman. Get away from me, would you? Don't you know who it is you're touching? Remember what Jesus says? Leave her alone. Leave her alone. She has come, obviously, in repentance. Leave her alone. Think of the woman who was caught in adultery. They bring to Jesus to adjudicate. What are we supposed to do with this? They all have their stones in their hands ready to stone her. How does Jesus deal with it? You horrible woman, how could you be involved in an adulterous situation? Don't you know that that's against the, the law of Moses? Don't you know that that's against the Ten Commandments? That's right, you, you guys with stone, stoner, that's what she deserves. How does he respond? You who are without sin, cast the first stone. And what does he say to the woman? Go and sin no more. But even as we look at these many examples, and there's more, think of Peter's denial and the way in which Christ restores him on that shore that morning. Peter, do you love me? Not, Peter, you denied me. What was in your head? What was the matter with you? You're nothing but a buffoon, Peter. What makes you think you can be with one of my disciples? Peter, do you love me?
even as he's hanging upon the cross. And the two thieves are going at him, reviling him, speaking against him, cursing him, belittling him. When the one thief comes to repentance, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Oh, sure, I'm going to remember you. Yeah, I'm going to remember you, buddy. Five minutes ago, you were laughing at me. Five minutes ago, you were cursing me. Five minutes ago. Today. You will be with me in paradise. And what of those who are in the act of crucifying him? Lord, come in all of your wrath. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now let's go back to Galatians chapter 6. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of to love one another. The law of restoring one another with love. Even as not only Jesus taught it, but as Jesus practiced it. As Jesus exemplified it in his own life. So now let's work our way through these verses with that in the background. As far as, so here we have a brother who is caught in any transgression. That's the first thing. What, what is Paul talking about here? A brother caught in a transgression. The context would say that this is a brother who has given in to the flesh. This is a believer, somebody who has professed Christ, somebody who has believed in Jesus Christ, who is in this battle with the flesh. And the flesh wins a moment. The flesh wins a day. The flesh wins for a season. The flesh wins. One of the terms that is used here is the idea that in this sin, in this giving over to this flesh, it's the idea that this is public, that this is something that is known. Uh, one commentator says it's as if the brother was caught red-handed. Everybody knows it. Everybody is aware of it. This is, see, sometimes we think, you know, well, there's certainly a difference between the way we deal with private and public sin. Well, yes, there is. But Paul is saying... The consequences might be different, but the approach is to be the same. 
here is a brother who has been overtaken. The flesh has risen up. The spirit is not seen or evidenced here. But the flesh is ruling the day. Whether it's out of ignorance, whether it's out of inattention, whether it's due to stress or a lack of consideration, it's a lack of, of perhaps thinking it through. We, we don't know the circumstances. That's why Paul includes the word any transgression so that we don't narrow it down and say, well, you see, only in such cases does Galatians 6, 1 through 5 apply. No, he is saying in all those cases, in any transgression. There is a brother who has fallen. Now that's not some case out there, is it? That this, this is not just sort of, well, you know, it might be that one day in the church there might be actually a Christian who, boy, sins. Boy, how are we going to handle it that one day? When a Christian sins. No, we know, do we not? That this is every day. And that this is not only every day. This is every one of us. If anyone. If Bob. If anyone, put your own name in there. If you, if you are caught in any transgression, the flesh, that moment, time, taken over. You who are spiritual should restore him. Restore. That's our second word under here. The restoring. No feeling of resentment or thought of punishment. That's not the idea behind the word restoring. It's not like, you know, I hate your guts, but I got to restore you. Or I'm going to exact my pound of flesh out of you for that which you have done. The idea behind restoring here is the idea of without resentment. Without the idea of we need to punish this individual. Actually, the word that is used here is the same word that you have back when, when Jesus comes across those first disciples. Remember what they're doing? Jesus walks along and the disciples are there by their boats. And you know what they're doing? They're mending their nets. That's what the idea of restore is. To mend. The idea of restoring is to put back together. To make whole once again. See, picture, picture you know, as it were... James and John and those other disciples sitting there by their boats, okay, mending their nets. 
Give me the scissors. Cut it out. Grab hold there, James, and let's shred this thing. This net, this no good net, this unusual, unusable net. Let's just tear it apart. It's good for nothing. Let's put it on the fire and burn it. Is that the picture you have when you read, and they were mending their net? You say, of course not. That's not mending. Mending is to to find the broken part. The piece that has come unraveled or the piece that has become unsown. And to take it probably with, with perhaps needle and thread, strong thread, and bind it, tie it back together again, to mend it. Blessed be that tie. Blessed be that string. Blessed be that thread. Blessed be that blood of Christ that binds us together. Right? Now, although it's not used in Scripture, it was used in the Greek language. There is another way in which this word functions. It was a medical term. To describe the putting back in place of a broken bone. So imagine the individual who has a a separated shoulder or uh, perhaps a, a broken arm. And the idea is that of mending, that of putting it back together, that of pulling it back into place. Some of you deal with that on a frequent basis, and you know that. And, and, you know, you certainly don't want the person going, Okay, tie one arm to the tractor over there, the John Deere, tie the other arm to the Ford, and let's pull, and we'll get that shoulder back in again. It's the way sometimes we deal with people's sin, isn't it? Let's just yank them apart. Let's just tear them to shreds. No, we want somebody to grab on and yes, we need them to put, pull it because we're in pain, we're in discomfort, but we want them to be gentle. That's the idea of restoring. When Paul says here, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, okay, you're not, you're not involved in that sin, you're not caught up in that sin, you might have your own, but not that one. You who are spiritual should restore him. Third word, in a spirit of gentleness. Not in anger, not in a lording it over, not in some authoritative way or manipulative way, not in fault finding, not in degrading. But these are the words that Fulfill the idea of gentleness, kindness, patience, tenderness, humility, forgiving. See, is that not what we see in the father in the parable of the prodigal? 
Do we not see the one who has transgressed and yet that the Father is seeking to restore him in a spirit of gentleness? See, it's that elder brother. It's that elder brother who, who is so much like us. He don't deserve this. He doesn't deserve that forgiveness. It is the Father. It was those with stones in their hands who want to destroy the woman caught in adultery. It is in a spirit of restoration and gentleness that Jesus says, go and sin no more. To those teachers who are accusing the woman who is anointing his feet with oil. That Jesus says with a note of restoration and gentleness, leave her alone. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Peter, do you love me? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. See, there is a reminder here, right? There is a reminder of the fact that we too are those who sin. That's what the, that's what the rest of those verses are about. Each one testing his own work and so on. Bear your own load. It, what Paul is saying is this. Someday, you will be the brother. Someday, you will be the one that the flesh has risen up against the spirit. Someday, that's you. How do you wish to be treated? How do you desire for your falling, for your failing to be dealt with? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And Paul is saying for us as believers within the church of Jesus Christ, brothers, This is how we are to treat one another. This is how we are to deal with one another. This is how we are to handle these circumstances amongst one another. Now Paul's not talking about, you know, like we were in Corinth, the man who is caught with his stepmother and then it's put before the church. There's, this is just between us. This isn't dealing with elders and sessions and presbyteries and so on. This is just how do we, brothers and sisters in Christ, deal with each other's failings and failures. Restore in a spirit 
of gentleness. Because tomorrow it's you. That's why Paul ended chapter 5 with don't become conceited. Don't become puffed up. Don't become the, oh, you see, I have the spirit. I never give in to such horrible things. Oh, yes, you do. Paul is saying, of course you do. That's life. Life as a Christian is this battle. Not that we accept, not that we allow, but that we war against, that we fight against, that we seek to walk with the Spirit. But when we sin, how do we deal with one another? The Spirit of gentleness. So fulfilling, you see, the law of Christ. Now here's where you've got to add one line. There is a fifth point to be made here. And that's the bearing one another's burdens. See, there is a broad way in which we understand that. The bearing of one another's burdens. That, that we as the body of Christ as we sing and blessed be the tide that binds the sympathizing tear, the heartaches, the sorrows, you know, the, the death, the grief. You know, the problems that we face, the illnesses that we face, the economic struggles that we face. Yes, that's there. But if you stop to think about it, that doesn't seem to be really Paul's focus there in verse 2, is it? Of course it's true that we as Christians ought to be concerned about one another in all areas of our life. But if you look at verse 2 in the context, the bearing one another's burdens has more to do with this idea of the struggle with the flesh. This is what we are to bear. This is what we are to come alongside of. Having just uh, gone through that that traveling experience to Costa Rica and back home and, and you know, not only seeing uh, uh, the 17 of us with all of our luggage, but you, you kind of look around the airport sometimes and you see how much baggage people sometimes take with them on vacation. We actually did a very good job, but there are some people, you go, where are you going and for how long? Right? And sometimes it's this, little old lady and it's like she's got four suitcases and she's trying to, to walk with the suitcase and the carry thing and the other carry thing. Some people carry so much baggage. If I'm just sitting here with my briefcase, what do you suppose I ought to be doing at that moment? Well, you could say, well, you got your own burden, Bob. Yep, you got your little suitcase. You got your little, you know, thing you stuff up above the seat, your carry-on. Yep, you know, you got your own baggage. Guess you just take care of your, oh, look at that old lady over there. Oh, that's just a shame. Look at, she's carrying all that stuff. If I walked right past her, you'd go, Bob, look. Help her. 
carry some of that baggage for her. Oh, but I got my own. Yes, I have my own. But I also have a hand for it. That's what Paul means here in verse 2, where we are called to bear one another's burdens. The burden of what? The burden of the flesh. Yes, I have my own. You have your own. And some days, we're the people with eight pieces of luggage trying to make it through the airport, trying to make it through the, through the security line, trying to take off our belt, our shoes, keep our pants up at the same time while we watch all our stuff go through, make sure it's there on the other side, along with our purse, along with our passport, along with everything we own. And then the thing goes off, beeps, because we got a pen in our pocket, and we got to go back and do it again. Someday, that's us. Today, we just got our little carry-on. What is Paul telling you to do? Carry someone else's burden. Maybe you're here today and you're going, boy, I feel like the person with the eight pieces of luggage. The flesh is just rising up with great power, with great strength then I have good news for you today. We're here to carry the baggage. We're here to bear your burden. If today you're on the other side, traveling rather light today, feeling pretty free, unhindered, Bear another's burden today. And what does that do? That fulfills the law of Christ. Father, thank you. Your word. filled and is truth. We can relate to it. We understand it. Father, thank you for reminding us today that being a Christian isn't about being perfect. But it is about a relationship with Christ and with our fellow believers. Father, may some of us begin to take more seriously our responsibility to bear other burdens here at Little Farms. We're not called to bear those burdens in other places. Our primary place of responsibility is here. Tonight, Father, we, we come together in prayer and we pour out our, our hearts in a congregational prayer so that we hear burdens of a different sort. And yet, Lord, the truth of the matter is we're also bearing burdens internally 
not just these external ones, it's the internal ones, it's the ones in our heart, it's the ones in our soul, it's the ones that only we know about. Father, help us to see the need in others' lives. Help us to bear those burdens because we have seen Christ bear all our sin. He took it all. It's all on Him. Not just some, not just a few. He took all my baggage. He took all the baggage of each one here this morning who's a believer in Christ. He, he took it and He bore it upon that cross. And He says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they've done. What a marvelous love. Exemplified, taught. May we, Father, apply that love in our own lives. Today. In Christ's name. And for Christ's glory. All God's people say. Amen.